Today's scripture lesson is from the book of Luke, chapter 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. <clears throat> then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Soon afterwards he went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. These are our sacred stories. Our lecture this morning from Luke is about a Pharisee, a religious leader named Simon. It's about Jesus, and it's about an unnamed woman. That's what I have written here, an unnamed woman. But after Heather's words, I feel the need to clarify that she has a name. We just don't know. While there are three characters, centuries of interpretation have paid almost exclusive attention to the woman in this story. In fact, in my Bible, the heading to this story is a sinful woman forgiven. 
Is there a sinful woman in the story? Yes. Is she forgiven? Yes. Jesus says of her, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. And then Jesus says directly to this woman, Your sins are forgiven. She's already forgiven. If you read this in the Greek, it's clear that the forgiveness happens before the story even takes place. It's not forgiveness in response to her begging for forgiveness because she doesn't speak in this story. Not at all. No words. A sinful woman forgiven. We love a story about a sinful woman, and we all know it must be a sexual sin, right? Centuries and centuries of interpretation by men, it's worth noting, have turned this woman, whose name we do not know, into a prostitute. Many men have conflated her with Mary Magdalene and then turned Mary Magdalene into a prostitute. Mary was not a prostitute. And this unnamed woman, this woman whose name we do not know, who is not Mary, she may or may not be a prostitute. In many places in the Gospels, and especially in Luke, we see note after note that Jesus eats with sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes. So clearly, the Gospel writers are not afraid to note that someone is a prostitute. So if this woman is a prostitute, why doesn't Luke say so? Other people in the Bible who are called sinners, when they're male, it's not assumed that they are sex workers. Consider Simon Peter. He says of himself, I'm a sinful man. Have you ever heard anyone suggest that he was a prostitute? No, of course not, you say. Hmm. Also, sinner is a broad category in first century Judaism. This woman need only have been ill, disabled, or have had contact with Gentiles to be considered a sinner. She seems to be known in the city, so might she be a midwife working with Gentiles on a regular basis? This would account for the money to buy the expensive ointment, and it would label her sinner. But here I am falling victim to what I'm accusing other interpreters of doing, I'm focusing on the woman's sin. Who cares what it is? and has labeled her as sinner. Jesus certainly doesn't. And neither does she. She's forgiven. She's whole. She's living out of an abundance of love. L. commenters have named her prostitute. Jesus calls her forgiven, saved, whole. You know who cares a lot about her sin, though, in the story? The Pharisee, that religious leader. It seems to me that the story should be summarized, not a sinful woman is forgiven. No, the story should be summarized. A judgmental religious leader still doesn't get it. <laughs> the religious leader invites Jesus to dinner. The leader sits. The story doesn't say that Jesus 
has taken a seat. A woman comes in and begins to wash Jesus' feet with her tears and dry them with her hair, and then she anoints his feet with expensive ointment, kissing them repeatedly. The religious leader is not moved to compassion by this outpouring of love. He's not inspired. No, he's judgmental. The gospel writer says it this way. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw it, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who's touching him. He would have known she's a sinner. He said it to himself. Does he say it out loud? Does he say it in his head and Jesus just knows? Is his distaste and rejection just written all over his face? And so Jesus speaks to him, confronts him. Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, speak. Jesus tells a story. A certain creditor had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. The religious leader judges the story rightly. But the woman, he judges wrongly. And then he just keeps judging wrongly. He did not care for Jesus, did not clean his feet, did not kiss him, did not anoint him with oil. He did not show hospitality. He loved little. He's selfish and prideful. He doesn't get it. He has the woman in the category of sinner and himself in the category of saint. He sees himself as having no need of forgiveness. Jesus, then turning toward the woman, said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, for from the time I came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she's anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. The one to whom little is forgiven loved little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus tells the woman that her faith has saved her. The word saved here also means made whole, healed, made well. She is whole. She is living an authentic life. She can go in peace. While the religious leader and those around the table are eaten up with arrogance, this religious leader will know no peace going through life, judging everyone but himself as lacking. 
we will love little from this stance of judgment and criticism. Do you see this woman? Jesus asks. The religious leader clearly does not see her. He sees a category, sin, and he cannot move into really seeing the human in front of him. And he certainly cannot see that her actions are actions to be exemplified. She's the one showing love and hospitality while he withholds both. The woman shows herself to be a disciple of Jesus. This way of reading the passage seems to be borne up on what follows Jesus' words to the woman about her faith making her whole, about going in peace. In the very next verse we read, Soon afterward, Jesus went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa, and Susanna, and many other women who provided for them out of their resources. The unnamed woman is a disciple. The woman whose name we do not know is a disciple, just like these other women. The judgmental religious leader is not a disciple. He is not moved. He is not transformed. He is not saved. He is not whole. The unnamed woman is the exemplary disciple and the religious leader is her foil. <coughs> Many religious leaders through the years have sided with their ancient counterparts. They have seen a prostitute rather than a sinner, a sinner like themselves. They've seen tears and unruly hair, and they have judged, condemned, and belittled. In the Gospels, and truthfully still today, at least in my experience, many religious leaders, other, judge, belittle, they get behind a pulpit and they talk about who's in and who's out, who's God love, who's loved by God, and who is as though anyone is outside God's love. In the Gospels, Jesus tells story after story in response to religious leaders othering, their demoralizing. Jesus' stories are of radical inclusion and radical welcome. They're stories of community and great love. And the leaders just don't get it. And they keep judging. I'm hearing a lot of judgments from religious leaders in these days. Some religious leaders are celebrating that now women, women that they see as sinners, and not as whole, authentic, autonomous individuals. Celebrating that women and other people with wounds will be forced to make decisions that the leaders want them to make, not decisions that they might want to make. Some religious leaders are celebrating that the religion they claim 
will be given voice in prayers on the 50-yard line, opening the way for further erosion of the separation of church and state. Some religious leaders are watching the January 6th hearing with chants of Jesus saves and ideals about this country being a Christian nation. Some are rejoicing in the changes to the EPA. It seems to me that they're like this leader in the story, that they're not seeing, not seeing individual human beings. Seems like their love is little. Their judgment and condemnation is great. But before I get too high and mighty, being a religious leader myself, I've heard plenty of religious leaders judging others as stupid, ridiculous, and beyond hope, as evil, and as conspirators. And even as I say this, I want to shout, but they are. And that's when I know I'm caught. I'm a judgmental religious leader who just doesn't get it. I didn't mean that to be funny. <laughs> so how do we step out of judgment? Surely nothing changes from such a high horse. Surely community, connection, love, big, inspiring love. Surely this is what is needed in this present hour. Okay, let's get real. Jesus gets plenty mad at the judgmental religious leaders of his day. He calls them names sometimes, like hypocrite, brood of vipers, blind fools. I could keep going. He's got some great ones. And he eats with them and visits them in their houses and listens to them and talks to them. Oh, Jesus. I'm afraid I've got the anger and sometimes the name calling down a bit better than the hospitality, than the compassion and the conversation. I want to be more like the woman in this story and less like the religious leader. I want to be more like Jesus. I want love to lead the way. I want compassion and curiosity, not criticism and judgment to inform my thoughts and actions. I want to show hospitality to everyone. I have a lot of work to do. I'm not saying you do too, but if you do, come sit by me. Let's work on this together. Maybe we can start with ourselves. More compassion more curiosity, more love. We'll need these things to keep up our hope, to keep up our vision of a world transformed, to be whole and authentic, like the loved, forgiven sinners that we are. Amen.